Hello, and welcome back to Smell You Later, your favorite podcast about scents and smells. What a week we're having. What a week. And by we, I mean, well, both of us, but yours is funnier. Yeah. It's it's a lot of L's being tooketh this week. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Yeah. I mean, you can't slay every day, right? Speak for yourself. Something, something, something slay. (laughs) Something, something. Every flop precedes slay. I don't know. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. <laughs> the darkest flops always come before the brightest slays. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's that. New merch. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I'm having issues with my respiratory system once again, which I think as I've blasted out on my Instagram stories, I'm like, ooh, what if it's the Tide laundry detergent that I picked up at the store just because I like needed something and I was there? And I think I like mentioned it two episodes ago or something where I was like, this smells so fragrant. It like makes me nauseous. Yeah. And I was like, maybe it's that. And then apparently, and I like Googled it. I was like, does Tide laundry detergent exacerbate asthma? And everyone was like, yes. I was like, fuck. (laughs) Also, apparently New York State is banning all of these detergents, Tide being one of them because they like contain carcinogens. I was like, great. Okay. I'm not. Great, great. I'm not going down this road. Yeah. This is not a fear-mongering clean beauty podcast, and it will never be. I'm currently eating silicone. (laughs) We're all full of (laughs) microplastics. That's fine. Yeah. But even then, I was like, this is probably maybe a contributing factor, but not completely it. I don't know. I've been off my inhaler for a while, so perhaps they uninhaled too close to the sun. I was just raw-dogging breathing, and apparently I can't do that anymore. So, great. Yeah. Well, (laughs) don't go off your inhaler. I didn't think I needed it. It's the well, like I needed it for sure in the spring and summer because like allergy season was happening. But I was like, it's the winter. Like seasonal allergies don't happen now. And I was like doing pretty well for a while, and now I'm not. So you sound exactly. And I'm gonna cut this out. Like when people were like, I was doing fine, so I went off my antidepressants. (laughs) It's like you were doing fine because you were taking them. God, I would be that person, wouldn't I? I weaned. I didn't go cold turkey. It's fine. You can't drag me for saying that because I'm on finasteride. So <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's for hair regrowth. <laughs> oh my God. Why? You don't need that. Do you remember? I am cutting this out. Oh, you, you were talking oh about my- that little patch. Your little oh my patch? God. Do you remember like last year I was at Sables? I can't believe I'm saying this on the mic. I, lo- I was at Sables and I look in her mirror and I said something about like my hair and she goes, what do you mean? And you know, when you just sort of like show your ass to your best friend without even realizing it, I just go, I'm bald. <laughs> and she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Anyway. Uh, I'm looking at your hair right now. <laughs> there's a lot going on in this head at all times, but sometimes not that much on top of it. So mm-hmm. we're, um, mm-hmm. you know. Men and hair. That's like their Achilles heel. Well, I think with me, it's 10 years of my mom telling me like, stop bleaching your hair. It's all going to fall out. And That's then, not behold, how that works. I, I know, but it's not how it helps. Speaking either. of fear-mongering. Like, thank you. Okay, thank you for saying Yeah, <laughs> that's what people have told me, but I carry a lot of guilt. <laughs> I have been bleaching my head from 2014 to 2017, and I have so much fucking hair. But every yeah. time I get a haircut, they're like, whoa, you got a lot of hair. <laughs> yeah, but like you bleaching and my bleaching era were different. There was a long span where I was bleaching buzz cuts every six weeks. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, okay, that's that's a lot. <laughs> well, well, actually, okay. I'd get my roots touched up every six weeks, I'd say. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's about the same. Now you all know my biggest fucking insecurity. Here's <laughs> have fun. 
whatever. <laughs> What's my big? I don't know what my biggest insecurity is. I'm not gonna tell you guys for free. I hate this podcast. I, <laughs> <laughs> I hate it here. <laughs> I hate it here. <laughs> anyway, I can't breathe. I can't smell. I can't fucking taste shit. I have a UTI. It's not a great week. <laughs> I'm bald. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing well here. <laughs> I was help. doing fine until we started recording. Send help. <laughs> I feel like if somebody gives you a UTI, like they should DoorDash you a meal or something. <laughs> no, I I agree with that. I've been lucky enough to never have had. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I've ever met a dude who's gotten a UTI. It's like really hard for dudes to do that. Can we not jinx it though? I was gonna start running my mouth, but I'm like, listen, <laughs> your luck. I think extenuating circumstances would have to occur for you to <clears throat> well, get a UTI. They do be occurring for women. It's like you sat in the bath oh, too long. You got a UTI. I'm like, fuck off. Why? <laughs> yeah. Shout out to women. Yeah. We truly do no suffering. That's what we do best. <laughs> Suffer. <laughs> I love that. Demoted to the bottom of the roster. Yeah. Bye. You're on probation. Seriously. Anyway, sign in. What do you smell like today? <laughs> if I if we cut out everything that we said we were gonna cut out, we will not have an end. I know. <laughs> what have we done? So I smell like something from a collection that I really like. Ooh. And I don't want to jinx that, but we are having them on the podcast soon, knock on wood. I am wearing Whispered Myths by Imaginary Authors. And I burned through most of their collection, God, a year and a half, two years ago when they sent me the couple sampler sets. And I just really like all of them, honestly. Yeah, you've been talking about them for ages. Yeah, and even the ones that like aren't for me, I recognize are really good, just not good for me. They're great. And I, I think it's low-key, like the best... I don't know what you want to call it. I mean, certainly the best storytelling, but the best marketing around the fragrances and just the visuals are everything is great. And um, I don't want to beat the drum too hard because one I already have and two, we're going to be talking about it in depth with them soon. So I will say that I came to Whispered Myths because I, for some reason, had never worn it. I actually don't think it was in the original sampler sense that they sent me. And it caught my eye because it has a note of cantaloupe in it. Ooh. And you know me, I'm a note girl. Forgive me, but <laughs> I don't believe this is linear. It might be note wise, or like, I don't know if it's in any hierarchy order. I guess it might actually be in a hierarchy order, but the notes are natural Cambodian oud, cantaloupe, cedarwood, musk donna. Is that like Madonna? Honey. Oh. Still firmly in my honey era. <laughs> and salvaged shipwreck. Um, <laughs> salvaged shipwreck. Yes. So like rotting wood and kelp. Yes, and, and ghosts. <laughs> yeah. I sprayed this on and I was like, ah, because I love oud, mm. but sometimes the oud is ooding, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, like, oh man, not to say not in a bad way. It's just very oud heavy, but mm -hmm. that's oud sort of has one volume, you know? So it does, I wasn't that's true. Shocked. But on the same tip, the cantaloupe note off rip was... You you can clock it. It's this really just luscious, dewy melon that's right up top, right under the oud. And, you know, oud is hard to soften or hard to really mute. So I'm not going to say it does it, but it is right under it and it sort of hooks you. And in the way that I often say both Boy Smells Hinoki Phantom and Le Labo Santal 33 have this like melony undertone even though there's no melon in it uh -huh. in them this has that amplified to 11 because it it actually is a melon in it and it's just gorgeous and 
it does dry down and wear down pretty quickly. So, I mean, it is certainly a woody scent, but it's it's not screaming at you the entire day. I really like it. I think it's a really interesting build. One, one Off top, it is pretty unique when it melts down on your skin. Again, it's a it's a nice, like approachable, woody, woody scent. I like it mm. a lot. I think it's great. I love the name. I do too. It's great. Their names I'm, are really Yeah, nice. they are good with names. Yeah. I would be very excited to have them on. So I hope it comes through. Same. Well, we have a date, right? Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Date is just a date. Exactly. Sable, what do you smell like today? Oh, boy. Well, okay. As I mentioned, my sense of smell is fucked. But, okay, so I have a story. I was doing errands this morning. I, like, did my laundry. I, like, bought... <laughs> it's so embarrassing. So I bought, like, new laundry detergent, obviously, because I was like, fuck this Tide shit. And I was washing my bed sheets because I was like, this is where the allergies live in your yeah. bed sheets. Yeah. And the brand is like, they have like something. They're like, this is the first asthma and allergy association approved laundry detergent, blah, 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 blah. And it's called Sweat X. No. <laughs> it's for like, it's for like athletic gear to like, no. <laughs> to like get out like sweating. <laughs> Please. So that's already embarrassing that I'm like bringing this with laundromat. And I'm like, I'm not that sweaty. I swear. It's just my asthma. <laughs> Because even like the quote unquote free and clear shit from the big brands like Gain or All or Tide are like mm-hmm. not actually devoid of, I don't know, irritants. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get this shit because Google says it's the best for asthma sufferers. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. And then I went and did my laundry. And then I was thinking about how Glossier discontinued the fucking cherrybalm.com. And I'm still, I'm on like the last squeezes of this tube. Buy ugly. That's the worst flavor. That's the best. This is my favorite one. I know everyone. Do you want mine? I've used it like three, three times. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Yes, uh, please. It's like, a, it's like a full tube. Amazing. Uh, yes. Thank you. Because my clown ass, when I was doing my laundry, walked over to the dumbass Glossier store in my neighborhood <laughs> like a fucking idiot, walked in, asked for the cherrybomb.com. They were like, nope, it's discontinued. And I was like, you just don't have any in the back. And they're like, no. And I think she was lying and I think they're gatekeeping it. They're just going to like burn them like they do to all the fucking coach bags. The coach bags, I was just going to say. They're just going to slash them and burn them all. Right. I was like, I know you have them. (laughs) No, instead, I was politely declined by a pink jumpsuit. And then I went back to my home for some reason was like sweating profusely. It's 38 degrees and chilly out today. I was wearing a t-shirt under like a faux fur jacket sweating so much i like took off my jacket everyone was looking at me like i was insane and then i was like do i have a fever am i unwell <laughs> well you were like what are you doing outside <laughs> yeah she was texting me she's like i'm running errands I was yeah. like, it's 30 degrees yeah. and you're you what are you doing yeah here? i know i was like why am i like sweating like dripping sweat like this is not normal so i went home immediately took a cold shower slathered my body in go to the australian beauty brand their body lotion which is oh Oddly named Skin Party. <laughs> Hate that. I know. I was like, why does this sound like a cannibal's dream? <laughs> yeah, right. But for a sec, well, okay, like my sense of smell goes like in and out throughout the day. Like if mm-hmm. I blow my nose, weirdly, I can smell for like a second. Mm-hmm. So I blew my nose and then I was like, ah, the smell of Skin Party. <laughs> so allegedly, that's what I smell like if I knew what I smelled like. But for a second, that is what I smelled on myself. 
What does skin party smell like? It's definitely like a floral. It's almost like a nutty floral, if that makes mm. sense. Because it's like it has like a creamy marshmallowiness to it, like a lectonicness, if hey. you will. Okay. But then it still has like a white floral to it as well. Nice. Okay. It's it's pretty nice. It's quite strong, actually, when I normally wear it. So part of me was like, oh, this is nice that I can put this on and not be choked out by the scent. Right, right. Yeah. But I like their products go to. They're very like oil heavy. I feel okay. like everything is like an oil. But part of me is like, I think that's that's the Australian way. Yeah. It's just oils. Hmm. Face oil, body oil. Everything oil. Everything oil. Hair oil. They love it. It works for them because everyone in Australia is gorgeous for some reason. Exactly. So maybe I should go there next. <laughs> <laughs> we got to keep you out of Australia, girl. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really won't. <laughs> so, well, who do we have on the show today? I feel oh my like gosh. Do a better intro than I will. I'm so, so excited. Frederick, who is the founder of Joya Studios, which I have been a fan of for years. Mm-hmm. They always do really quirky stuff. Yes. They have all the AT4 candles. They did a really cool candle collab with that water tower stained glass window artist, Tom yeah. Fruin. Tom Fruin. They've done a- sen- they've done sense for free people and hotel lobbies. <laughs> they have and- a uh, collection with Lucali, an Italian yes. restaurant that yeah. I'm dying to smell. I know. I really want to smell those too. Because they, they it, I'd love to dine there. Let's go. I yeah, think let's go. two of them are like sweeter spicier gourmand yeah. vibes and two i think there's like a savory. garlic one yeah, yeah, yeah i yeah. want to smell the garlic one pasta water vibes yeah <laughs> pasta is the new scent trend spaghetti right, right. literally <laughs> but i went to an event last week which was the launch party for their newest candle collaboration with an artist Chantal martin and frederick and i were chatting and he was telling we were just like talking we're like oh he's like he's like i'm really excited to like be on your podcast next week and i was like oh you remembered <laughs> mm. Even though, because I was like, I forgot. I was <laughs> <laughs> but it was just kind of cool that like, it's like funny to be like, so you, you threw a candle party, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but they do like interesting, I don't know. It's like, it's. A, what do you mean? We've been to so many candle parties. Have we? Yes. Have you? And yes. the, well, actually, that's Stable, not true. I go to every party. That's true. I'm going to one after this. That's true as well. The last candle party I went to was a dinner. For net, which was just like a nice dinner, oh, which is the nice. one that all the dolls were yes. at, and I couldn't go. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I have one regret. But other than that, like the Chantal Martin one was kind of cute because she's well, she's a visual artist and she's like a spoken word artist, so she was like doing her thing. So that was yeah, interesting. Yeah. There was like a performance element to it. Mostly, and I was just like, I just want a candle. <laughs> she's just like here. But we visited their studio. What December? December. Or November. And it was so cool just to see how everything was made. They're like massive candle filling station. It's like something out of like Steamboat Willie. <laughs> mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. I also didn't realize that like they. I'm not sure we can say it. I'm not sure we can say that. Can we not? I don't think you can say that. Okay, fine. Okay. <laughs> well, they have like a candle testing room because you have to test the burn time and like the burn of every candle. So, like, when they're manufacturing, they have a prototype where they just, like, burn a fucking candle in a room for however long it takes for the candle to be done. They're like, that's crazy. That's nuts to me. But, yeah, it's so interesting to, like, I don't know, go behind the scenes of an operation like that. So, ever since, we've been like, we got to get you on the pod. 
And now it's happening. And now it's happening. Hooray. So, yeah, Frederick is a man of many stories. So we will we'll let him take it away. We'll let him take it away. <laughs> My name is Frederick Bouchardi. My title is founder, CEO, Joya. There are lots of other suitable labels. <laughs> Owner, operator, entrepreneur, non-perfumer, perfumer, designer. There you go. We have a multi-multi-hyphen. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> I definitely think labels, labels are silly, essential, yeah. but silly, because especially those of us who are interested in this art form are looking at and, and for more than one dimension. Mm-hmm. Something to keep in mind. Yes. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are also. I'm sure you are both. I met you here in this place. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like I actually know you. You've spent probably an hour here. Mm-hmm. But people who are this interested in fragrance to kind of, you know, this is, we have this in common. Without knowing each other well, this is what we have in common, is that we are passionate about learning about this. At least that's what we have mm-hmm. in common. Yes. Well, we stack. Absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of, what do you smell like today? <laughs> I smell like, I always smell like chaos and a mix of things. So I'm making something for a client that's falling under the, for more than a client, uh, for, you know, a partner, someone awesome and special. And that's meant to be uh, clean beauty. So for Mm -hmm. us, that is because we want to do more than essential oils, but yet we also want to not, we would want to not invent terms and have like some sort of baseline or foundation to use. We're using an ISO standard, an international standard. So it's kind of limiting, but it's quite cool. It's another part of my path and journey is kind of learning about those materials, which just when I was, I think, getting quasi good with like the regular palette, then these are strange, different, impossible to have a very different presentation. And I think generally present much quieter. And so it's just like more chaos. And uh, on the side, a close friend artist, you know, just told me, oh, hey, I'm, you know, this great project and we need to, obviously we need to do a send thing for it. And I said, great, you know, my company has been growing and it's totally like the process is totally optimized. We can really tackle a bunch of different projects at the same time. And he's like, great, it's in three weeks. (laughs) Oh, not exactly what I meant, but we know each other so well. He said, you know, two things. And I kind of already, I kind of already have an idea for that. So it's a sort of experiments, one that is where the box is very defined. So, but it doesn't mean that it's not, it, I think sometimes that's, those limitations are quite cool and fun and mm. trying to do something new within those is actually really exhilarating. And then the other is a, is a weird experiment. And then the last one is because I'm in the, you know, this lab that's in a larger facility I also smell like everything that's been going on. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. Some people, it probably, I think maybe you included when you came here, some people find it very difficult to smell in here. And it is. There's so many things going on. I actually, it, I felt this way for a long time. And then one day it hit me. It's like, wait, this is, this is actually perfect. It's so chaotic that if you can kind of cut through the scent noise in here mm-hmm. and hone in on what you want or like something or dislike something, you really feel that way about it. Hmm. Hmm, that's, that's a good true. litmus test. <laughs> I think that's our most multidimensional answer to that question we've ever had. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. We love it. We don't have many firsts after two and yeah. a half years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, like we, I personally know Joya through Sable and I knew it as its own perfume house, perfume brand that would do collaborations and had a house brand, et cetera. But then when we visited the lab and factory a few months back, it, you are so much more than that. So how how do you describe what you do? How do you describe Joya? Very good question. I get this question a lot and I change the answer a lot. So the way I traditionally, or we all traditionally describe it is that we are a fragrance brand and a design studio. But in fact, design studio, we're, to be more specific, we are a design studio with vertical manufacturing capabilities. And so we have these extremes that are a, a part of who we are, like the very niche branded element, which has kind of taken on a life of its own, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse, selectively distributed and almost, you know, adamant at times about kind of staying the course and not feeling the need to pressure itself with newness, trend, et cetera. And, and then, then the flip side is the kind of design studio and, and maker element where we are designing and producing things for uh, other designers, brands, companies, artists, and they're usually oftentimes people from totally different media. So they might be architects, fashion designers, chefs, or they might be in related industries, hospitality, beauty. And then in between there, there's sort of like uh, branded collaborative work mm. where we're putting both lenses out there and saying, you know, we, we've developed this together to, to say something new. That's... And in the, in the extreme kind of, say, design and production side, where it's more like we are a vehicle for someone else's vision, that can be every, anywhere from where a brand will engage us to create an ident ascent identity for them. Should, could just mm. be developing a formula that then they will use for whatever products they need. Or in a lot of cases, it's developing ascent identity and then executing that in, in finished products. And over the years, we've, we've gotten quite good at this to the point where in terms of like level of design, quality, quality control, and just say some of the innovative, at least novel and at times innovative design styles and say solutions we provide, we just engender and beget more requests for this kind of work because we keep raising the bar there. Mm -hmm. So we're kept quite busy. I initially, I'm sure you'll ask about this. I can express more fully how it came to be this way, but I initially thought that they would sort of bounce off each other or mirror each other a little more. Mm -hmm. But in fact, I don't, I, I think it's mostly not that. I think that there has been kind of just, you know, as you said, you know, you both had kind of different impressions of, of what we were and what we are. And I think there is kind of, there's so many things going on that, that clarity is not our main thing. And honestly, philosophically, I'm kind of okay with this. I've, I've seen so many times when, you know, brands get, acquired or change and then they go for like hardcore you know brand hierarchy and it's like oh but you know the character the personality that was so attractive about what you were presenting and expressing before is now gone you know now you're just a brand 
I think one cool thing that does work about these things kind of interfacing with one another and, and taking place in the same building and being executed by a team is that we're kind of, I feel like when people ask us about our values and ethos, we're more of a, they're more the, the people know our ethos and our values and kind of our signature style and signature elements more as a company than as a brand. And in fact, I think that's quite a, that, that's a, that's a good place to be. Hmm. I love that. You said during our intro that you called yourself like a non-perfumer. So I think the first question that our listeners would have would be like, what the hell are you doing here? And <laughs> two, like, how does that one, what's with the label? And two, how, how does a non-perfumer have a perfume brand? And how does it like play into that? Hmm. So <clears throat> I've been quasi involved in this scent world since 2006. Had it as like kind of a real side hustle, say a hobby. I had a full-time job for the first five years of that. Mm -hmm. And then I think even the next five years, I was kind of guarded about the whole thing. And I, I, I created another job for myself. So I had two, I was running two companies at the same time. I was co-running another one. And so I've been around kind of all of the, 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 the same conversations have persisted all this time. You know, the, the consumer desire for customization and personalization and more sustainability. Those are the same all the time, whether you're reading about them, whether you're sitting with a, a client or whether you're doing a case study with kids from Pratt or off IT. Um, it's just the way it is. And th th those are great and I think, and very valid. Then you have the consistent, never ending conversations that take place in the echo chamber of perfume world, mm. occupied by designers, fanatics, with a lot of curious, amazing, incredible, knowledgeable people, pioneers, searchers, seekers but quite an insular thing. It reminds me of, there was a poet laureate called, I don't remember his name, but he had a, a book called Can Poetry Matter? And, it's, and he's a poet. He was the poet laureate. He's also a critic or an editor. And it was about how poetry used to be, you know, in the newspapers, like with cartoons and stuff. It used to be thing, a thing that people enjoyed. And that normal people enjoyed. And then for all kinds of insidious, you know, like publishing industry and other reasons, it became this thing that would became so isolated. And, you know, now it's a thing that I'm really into. No one else is or hardly. It's, it's very, very niche. And I'm afraid that kind of like scent world perfume industry is also similarly kind of isolated. And this is just a thing that I'm just not into. So I've, I've always avoided like clicks and groups. And uh, these kind of topics and subjects were always like force fed. It's like, what's the difference between a niche, niche perfume and a mass, like independent versus mass? How many doors does it have to be in? How rich is someone's dad? And it was like, <laughs> you know, we always want to know how rich someone's dad is. 
Well, for sure. It's, it's <laughs> fascinating, but you know, these definitions are so, they don't matter. You know, if you really are curious and <laughs> love scent and are curious about how it works and the, and ways to make it new, then the whole point is for it to be for everyone, not just for, again, this weird bubble. Mm-hmm. So, and then of course, there's the conversation of who, who is a perfumer? And there's different definitions and it depends what language you're speaking. In any case, they're like directly contradictory. So you, some people will describe themselves, describe themselves as a perfumer if they own and operate a, a, a fragrance brand. And others are, are adamant that it has to be if you're actually developing your own formulations. I don't care at all. And Sable, as we were say, as I was saying the other night to you, I know personally a lot of the best perfumers alive or who will ever live. And so my interest in this is, you know, it's in part why I'm so against, you know, labels and, and kind of like staying in one group. Mm-hmm. My interest in this is more vast. It's like to, it's to learn about the history and science of scent, to see if we can make things that are new and that matter, to touch people, to connect with people. And so I've worked with so many, aside being friends with them, I've worked with brilliant perfumers. I see exactly what they can do. I want to take on other roles. So, so for me, it's, it was like early on, you know, I'm a little, I look at it a little bit more like a designer or an engineer where there's a thing that I or we are trying to do and I'm results driven sometimes to, to an insane fault. And so I want to get there. So that means it's not advisable if I'm doing everything, obviously. And it's not best if I'm doing the, uh, the perfuming because it would take me, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, or maybe multiple lifetimes to be as good as some of the people that I'm, that I'm close with. Mm. So that being said, that <clears throat> didn't change the fact that I wanted to understand it completely. Part of the, like the, the beginning of my career is I had a family friend who was a perfumer. She recently passed away. And her, her name was Rada Vega. She, she used to work at Quest, which was then acquired by Jividon. She's, she's, a, she was also like kind of a, she was kind of a renegade. So I think once they got acquired by a larger company, she was like, I'm out. I'm good. I, I have dogs. I want to take them to agility contests. That's mine. That's my move. But I was very curious. I pursued her for more knowledge and I even kind of like quasi brought her out of retirement. And so she was basically working with me in, in almost like a remote in-house perfumer. And she would do these dog agility training contests, like, you know, best in show. And one time she fell and she broke her arm. So her lab was her apartment and she would, you know, I'm like, hey, you, you owe me some things. She's like, well, you have to come over and compound them because I can't use my arm. So I'm kind of leading two different lives at that time or three learning more about kind of like the design and the art form, but also operating a business and purchasing the ingredients and then kind of learning about compounding, formulating and, and, and making perfume. So they're just all so, they're so cool and thrilling. And if you can kind of combine them all, it's a weird wheelhouse. It's a, it's a lot of information, but it, it, it actually just makes you ask more questions. And then, you know, so cool working with Rada so closely because you know, I have strong opinions and so did, so did she. So I would say, hey, we're going to try something different. And she would say, no, not that though. 
That's not, that people are going to think that's gross. And it was, you know, there's a negotiation trying to, trying to get a classically trained older perfumer to understand that the, that people's vision may have changed. And just that the way, not only the way we look at what is beautiful is different, but also that maybe people want things that are less kind of perfect and rounded and more directional and to the point. And so mm-hmm. that's been my belief about the wave of fragrance for a while. Then some years after that, I met a brilliant young perfumer, Canadian, named Dana Almasri. She actually came on a J1 visa to work here for something. She was in-house here for something like a year. And it was the total opposite end of the spectrum. You know, both genius women, but totally different styles. And Dana is more modern, more deconstructed. So with Rada, we'll have 75 ingredients. And uh, with Dana, more like 10. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to just, you know, watch and, and learn and absorb this process. So for me, like non, non-perfumer, I've just said this for a long time when people ask me, I would start things by saying like, just to avoid that, that, that controversy, just say like, hey, non-perfumer, anti-perfumer, perfumer. I think it's like, you know, not to compare myself to him, but I think Brian Eno calls himself a non-musician or non-producer. Mm-hmm. And I like this. Wow. Okay. That does make a lot of sense in terms of like the anti of it all. Yeah. But you've always <laughs> been interested in scent. I was curious if fragrance led you to design or if like the design led you to fragrance <laughs> with Joyous Studio. Definitely the design led to the fragrance. Mm. So yeah, it was a lot of it was, was honestly, I think there's a, was a mix of I became obsessed and also I just was evolving. As a and so those two joined along the way, and that's another of my kind of least favorite insular scent world discussions. Is if you're if you're evaluating, say, the quality of a of a perfume, whether you should smell it blind or not, mm. because uh, you know there are there are people who will say, oh, you know, someone with a lot of money can outmarket like a smaller brand and then and fake people out. To me, this is beyond untrue design although it's absolutely helped by you know budget you don't need a budget to have good taste and it's an absolutely critical part of the 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 unboxing the romance the experience the look the feel of the thing you know mm-hmm. it's like it, it it practically doesn't even make any sense it's like saying you should only be allowed to enjoy a you know a bite of food just on you know, the taste, not the, you know, the, the look, the mouthfeel, the, like the, the experience, not even, not withstanding that you can't actually do much like tasting of flavor without, without smelling. But the design, I think was my first segue in, into this world, even as a kid studying poetry, verse writing, you know, like art and literary magazine, printing press interest as a, as a kid. And then I ended up training in college and majoring in English with a concentration in 19th century American poetry. People love to joke that that is like the most pointless thing. The funny part is I was, pr- I was about to major in linguistics. And in, in fact, I, I wish I had, but to me, these are not, they're, they're deeply not useless. This is like exactly what I practice and do every day. Mm. The idea is my interest in distilling things to their core essence. So 
So whether that is through Joya, through work with a partner, or you know, work for another brand, that's what I'm looking to do is to code. But initially, out of college, I had a dream job working for a French TV station. I thought, this is it. And pretty soon, I got a little bored because I was basically reporting other people's stories, and I didn't have a lot of say in how the production was happening. Mm -hmm. So then this kind of sent project became a side hustle in that I had a friend who was doing graphic design. I had a parent who was experienced in manufacturing. And so I was looking at some of the especially scent products and candles and thinking they're not really interpreting our needs here yet. Speaking again about kind of like personalization and sustainability, which were even then just as relevant as they are now, or, or maybe like my generation is exactly when that started to become, those started to become the main players. And so I saw that there would be a way to do scented products that could be sustainable, come from local suppliers, but that could also look cool and stylish and have, and that you wouldn't have to sacrifice style for things that were more healthful and more healthful from a supply chain perspective. Mm. And that is kind of the genesis of it. And even for, you know, then we started to, you know, experiment with ceramics and, and porcelain. And we were, we've been putting candles and diffusers and perfume oils into porcelain containers for years, like pretty much before anyone else was doing it. And I still kind of always saw it as a design discipline. And I think, you know, that's, that's part of the search for knowledge and wanting to know kind of all the elements of the business. You know, I used to always describe it also as, you know, scent development is a design discipline. And now I think I'm pretty comfortable in realizing and saying that that was total bullshit. <laughs> that that was like kind of me being some kind of, you know, punk ass bitch, basically. <laughs> On a, separating myself from what we're doing, minimizing kind of the emotional aspect of it and kind of saying, you know, this is design. This isn't me. This isn't us. So if you don't like it, it doesn't mean you don't like me. So you think if they don't like it, it means they don't like you? <laughs> I think I'm more okay with that being true, if that's mm -hmm. the case, and just being more forthright and vulnerable. Mm. Hmm. There's the poetry. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just that I didn't, I didn't even realize, you know, mm. I was putting something in between, but at the same time, looking for the, that connection. And so it took me you know, so long to realize that I was building something in between that didn't need to be there. Hmm. Mm. Okay. So Sybil, where do you want to go with this now? Um, we've, we've already <laughs> covered so much well, ground. Like, I mean, I've done like, like, I did like a little bit of like, I don't like to look up people too much before we do our interviews it's like very larry king of me but wow. i read one of your first fragrances that you made um foxglove was to you like the scent of new york city because you grew up in new york city right yes on the upper west upper west side. upper west side yeah which is now like yeah brooklyn is now you know borum hill is now the upper west side i could see that at the time it was mm -hmm. Hill. yeah and so you made one of your first fragrances, Foxglove, as like the scent of New York City. And like, I feel like a lot of times as conventional fragrance brands, even fragrance slash design companies, you would think like, oh, we're going to build a house brand and we're going to have these many fragrances that speak to our ethos. But it doesn't seem like 
the Joy Studios fragrances like have necessarily like a like a commonality other than the fact that you made them, but like thematically a commonality. And I think that's really interesting because as you were saying, you don't want to fit into any certain boxes or be pinned down to that. But you have like a bajillion collaborations with other brands and then like six house scents. And like, it's so curious to me. I'm like, so how do you balance the Mm -hmm. scents you make versus the collaborations that you choose to do? It's insane. So (laughs) in fact, before it was home scent, eight candles and diffusers. They were at Barney's and, you know, all the good stores. And then, but the whole time I had been thinking, we are, we're, we're a fragrance brand and home, home is awesome. You know, to me, again, kind of learning all of this from, from the ground up and then making the other mistake of hearing the rules and not asking more questions. You know, the rules were like fragrance while you're eating is not possible. You know, home scent and, and personal scent are, are like two, you know, one is, is fucking called air care or something (laughs) big fragrance houses like plug in air care only and i love context environment sacred space i really value this and those kind of rituals so to me those are just different ways of looking at at scent but so i was always the whole time i was like we're a we're a fragrance brand but before people get confused and think we're just a home fragrance brand we need to have fragrances and you know you can see from the way we we launch we launch fragrance. I look at it as like it's like a battle of attrition, but I'm only fighting myself. Like <laughs> we're developing all these other scents and we'll introduce them when they're when they're ready and when we're ready, basically. But so we had this great home scent collection, and then we're like, we're gonna switch it up. We're gonna put these weird perfume oils and these strange cast porcelain bottles that took over a year for us to engineer because they're kind of complex to make, and we're doing them in-house. We're going to do perfume oils. So they were in cast porcelain that was always white and black. And they had these kind of soft forms, but we were putting these kind of hard facets in them. So there was a play of light, play of color, and this p- contrasting hard and soft element. And my design partner at the time, her name, her name is Sarah Syhat. She's a brilliant ceramic artist. She's moved to Nashville in the past few years. She was in Brooklyn before. I used to bike over to her studio after my work and be her free intern casting ceramics to understand what was going on. Yet another kind of like epic rabbit hole because at first I was like, hey, so should we do this together? How much will it cost? How, how long will it take? She's like, no, this isn't a microwave. <laughs> There's, you know, these are heated by the real elements. There's thermocouples and stuff that things go wrong. You have to you have to touch these with your hands. So another odd journey for me to understand something the way I want. And, and of course, Sarah is a girl. I was a boy. And so we had all these kind of contrasting elements there. And then working with Rada mostly at the time, it was similarly the questions of, you know, traditional beauty versus what is modern. So that's what was meant to be sort of say the signature style or the link between all the joy of fragrances, which I think in a, in a way was sort of like an early take on sort of like genderless or kind of like a more fluid look at, is this, you know, like a, is this perfume for Mm -hmm. a specific gender, which is Mm -hmm. 
kind of it was always ridiculous. So I think it's that. Also, the fact that they were the fact that they've always been in oils, right? Mm. The idea that you're not kind of unleashing the molecules through alcohol, and so the top notes, the volatile notes, they're not as you know present from the beginning. It's all more. It's a quieter experience. You know, you're kind. Of, and for me, the deliberate concept there was especially coming from these quite dramatic looking kind of faceted home items. I thought that if we would put things in oils and make people actually have to make an effort to put them on, that they would, that we would be making that kind of connection, mm. that they, people would be intentional about it as opposed mm. to walking into, you know, an invisible cloud of something. Yeah. It is very ritualistic, the mm -hmm. oil, perfume oils. Yeah. I remember when I worked at Allure and I would spend a lot of time hiding in the beauty closet and they had a huge fragrance cabinet and there was composition one and I think composition six, it was like the black and white orbs and there were like two bottles of them and they, they always stood out to me because they don't look like perfume bottles. Mm -hmm. No. They also look like very expensive. So it was like, what are these haunted bottles? <laughs> right. <laughs> Listen, haunted to me, I, I, that's like the best compliment. <laughs> me, they looked like from another time. I was like, who put these here? <laughs> <laughs> well, haunting, haunting is like exactly in a way what you want, what I want. Yeah. Like to me, True. that means, you know, memorable. Mm. Like I am haunted by the things that I haven't done yet. And so, that's thank you. Yeah, great. That was my first introduction to Joya, and then I was like, "Oh, this is a brand that makes fancy, magical-looking perfume bottles." And it's like, "Nope, just kidding. They make A two four candles as well." <laughs> no, yeah, we have a very eclectic kind of repertoire, mm -hmm. and that is, you know, maybe there were, you know, it's part of the, it's just part of the journey in a sense. Like there were undoubtedly better ways to do most everything. But, you know, there's also all the stuff we've done and have learned along the way has put us in this, you know, quite ma magical position where by now it's kind of like, let's see, by 2011 to do the ceramic stuff and to use some of the wax bases, it basically necessitated uh, manufacturing. And part of that is like in my DNA, but also part of it is just like a New York thing, a New York hustle. Like, and that, this is what I love about New Yorkers and also in turn about kind of like perfume hustlers, people who are like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make a brand. I'm going to put it on IG. I'm going to like have an idea. And it's just so cool that people are, are expressing themselves and can do stuff when in the past they were like, no, you know, huge barriers. To entry. Yeah. But one of the first places that I, that I kind of was manufacturing was way out in East New York. And the, those people were, they were ruthless. I had one employee that tried to steal that person. One client, they tried to steal that. So <laughs> I was like, shoot, we got to go on our own. And so then, you know, making the ceramics vertical, the ceramics I tried to do. Also, I tried to delegate and, and farm some of that out. But I remember, you know, we were working with a great manufacturer. We got our first shipment of ceramics. I think they were from Portugal. And... I just remember getting them and holding one of them broke in the shipment. And I remember holding it in my hand and being like, this doesn't feel right. This isn't even as good as the ones that I'm casting as a free intern. So we have to have a better way to do this. So thank goodness I've had an awesome team. And so 
I'd say around 2011, because we're developing the, the manufacturing wing, because this is sort of like the, on the say industrial or not branded side, this is what makes us very special. There are, you know, fragrance houses have incredible R&D. They're designing and developing molecules. They have genius perfumers. It's quite cool. But a lot of times you're not able to work with those perfumers. There's a, quite a game of telephone. And also at the end, you're, you're buying oil from them. That's about, or, or flavor. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Like you're on your own. And so we, as say, uh, as experienced in actually transforming those things into finished products and finished products of a, say, like special caliber, it makes us something quite different, I think. And then the other thing is sort of like the compounding effect of we've been doing great work with other designers for such a while now that the, it, that's all just like proof of concept. And it's us getting to express ourselves at the same time. So the diagnosis, when you have, say, a brilliant clothing designer who come, like we meet with, or even like a brand director for a hotel who feels really passionately about that brand and knows the target audience. Well, I'm saying that just because I don't judge someone as being better or a better artist or or a better or more important project. A lot of it depends on how honest they are, how committed they are, and how well they know their target audience. And by how honest I mean, first and foremost, how honest they are with themselves about what we're going to do. And so we've been quasi-coincidentally decoding and executing those for 10 years. I think it started with the homies from opening ceremony. And then we've been on that path for so long that we we just speak that language fluently. And we know how to translate someone else's vision or lens. And I think, say... A, a different advantage that we have over genius perfumers is that their work is always kind of going to be through their lens. Mm-hmm. And we have not mastered, but are damn good at putting ourselves in someone else's shoes. And we just get it. And it's like, we're doing it. We keep, we keep doing it, whether it's A24 or even like all kinds of silly things. Even Minions. Even in you. I mean, wow, that was a good smell and a beautiful project. <laughs> I was very surprised to see those at the studio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, gosh, we're insane. So the ceramic holder for those mm-hmm. is a 13-part mold. It's almost physically impossible to make. I would say that was the only time we've ever had turnover here because there were artists, students, industrial designers and ceramic artists who were just like, they had to focus so intently on creating a, like a clay body of minion overalls mm-hmm. that I think it drove some of them nuts. <laughs> and, you know, that, that's just a, a fun project. <laughs> so it, so 2011 is also around then is when we started to get quite good at, at man- decoding and manufacturing. Our brand is in all these great places. And in, instead of really kind of leaning into one of those or both, I thought, Let's make this harder. So at the time, I really didn't know. Um, my mom had a friend who was a buyer at Saks who introduced me to a buyer there that ended up ended up buying Joyous and was the first client. But otherwise, you're just going to these trade shows and, you know, like Javits Center, the gift fair, mm-hmm. Pacific Northwest, Dallas, Atlanta. I was always on the road at these trade shows, and you'd be trying to create a world and sell, like you said, these otherworldly, haunting, 
like strange experiential scent items. And you'd be placed next to, you know, companies that were selling pillows that said, you know, like my other house is in France. (laughs) This is very tough to, you know, other people are selling, you know, $18 (laughs) candles, but they have seven chandeliers, you know, floating. And so I asked people who I thought were, had, you know, kind of were like-minded. I said, you guys like this? We're here for five days. We're setting up all the time. You know, we're what, like, to what end? The, 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 look at the buyers. They're like, they're half awake. There's dog treats. This isn't, this isn't right. Mm-hmm. And they basically all were like, you're 100% right. Call us when you have a better idea. <laughs> so in fact, I co-founded with, do you guys know Uli Lang? I don't, I, but I the don't. name sounds familiar. You got to look. He has one of the OG niche fragrance brands called Ulrich Lang New York. Okay. And his fragrances are incredible. He has a like one partnership with Aperture and like just they're really, really good. His first two fragrances I feel are like super men's fragrances, like patchouli, vetiver, mm-hmm. and they're just awesome. You definitely will know them when you see them. Okay. So co-founded with him and then my close friend, Jeff Lawson, who's an art fair producer, he has the untitled Sarah that's the tent on the beach during Art Basel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We co-founded a trade event called Elements. Did either of you ever come to that? Is that? No. It ended in 2016. Okay. You ever hear of it, Sable? I haven't really done trade shows. That was like before before my time. And even if I had in like my career in beauty, it would have been like Cosmoprof or like mm. Makeup Expo or something like that. Uh, okay. <laughs> So this was meant to address the, like, what was an actual need? Um, so it, it was basically, you know, led by, say, niche fragrance, just like beautifully, beautifully designed companies and brands from that world, say, like Fragrance World and things you would, and there would be home fragrance, nail, et cetera. So we started, there were 30 brands, there was Santorini Novella, you know, Caron, like Bond Number no. 9. And people were actually taking a chance on this. They're like, this is a cool idea mm-hmm. in a loft space kind of by the art galleries. And it took off quite quickly. And then we produced shows from 2011 to 2016. We ended up going to have shows in New York, Vegas, LA, and Dubai. And by the end, I was just like, this is a lot. And we also started to hit a wall because the one thing we didn't account for, the, we knew that in order to have a successful trade event, we would have to obviously grow the number of brands exhibiting. So we started with 35, and then later we started to have something like 135. So we would have to take multiple floors as well. When it was all said and done, we had 400 and something brands there. And all the ones that I think the like classic ones that you would love. So the, the things we didn't account for was, was that you'd have to grow the number of brands, but then you're sort of alienating these excellent buyers that become the hallmark of the show. Because the whole point is that it's hyper curated and you're giving them really something to believe in the whole time. And the other problem is that in Italy, for instance, they have great shows like this. They have multiple ones. Mm -hmm. But that's because they have 400 independent perfumeries there. In the States, we have like five. And so it becomes a difficult negotiation there. But it, it was so awesome. And I think at the end of it also, I had an epic year at the end of that. And I think we all decided Jeff really wanted to focus on his his art fair. And I was like, I really want to focus on Joya now and like give it a real go. So so, so here we are. <laughs> That's wild. I also, 
That was also a major year for me because I had my first son that year. Uh-huh. So it made me start to question, you know, these were all kind of happening at the same time. We're licensing that show to a bigger trade event organization. It was also, I didn't want to be going to like Dubai and stuff. And I and also because I am a builder, I am a nurturer. I want things to to grow. And you can see that with what we're doing. And trade shows, you know, you put on a big production, costly production, and two days later you annihilate it and, and move it. So it's quite a different like adrenaline uh, or adrenal hormone thing than than what I prefer. But so like a circus. Almost, completely. And it's, <laughs> it's kind of depressing then, you know, like then people leave to go to the airport and they're like, oh, fuck this, leave it. Throwing like bottles of these beautiful. Mm. You know, I had my son that made me kind of obviously start to really think about time differently and also about, I think more explicitly about looking for like valuing meaning over money. And then that was also the year we opened the store at Joya, which is really cool and was kind of like the culmination of us expressing who we are, both in like Joya brand and Joya studio, kind of like B2B, like collaborators, decoders, designers, developers. And I also had two different, two extreme different experiences with projects. One where we quickly made a project for Nike that was like the a cast Air Max shoe, and it was for one of their Air Max days. And we only had a couple of weeks to do it. And kind of like, it was basically our team at, at our best, where we have like industrial designers sorting out complex mold making and how to really get all the real textures of the shoe. So it presents as something also otherworldly and funny. Perfumer, like getting the right like elements of glue and and leathers and everything. And getting that together in a few weeks, it was a big success. It went in the Nike archives in Oregon. So it's like, that happened so fast. And on the other hand, we were working on a project for a brilliant designer and almost the opposite. Instead of taking three weeks, it took over a year to develop it. There were some really complex elements we needed to use, like a glue for one part of it. But because it was going to be a candle, we didn't want to use one that had toluene in it, even though it's not outlawed. We're like, that's uncomfortable. So an industrial designer here basically invented a glue and solution that could make these like pieces hold together. And at the end of it, we, we spent honestly over a year innovating and doing stuff that is just that was just above and beyond. And that I'm sure a great, a great designer could have made one of, but not hundreds like we did and not scented. And I think when it was coming out, this company that we were making this with was like, they basically had all the credits. And then, you know, in the tiny, tiny fine print, it was like special thanks to Joya Studio. Mm. <laughs> I was like, uh, you know, we, what? You know, we, we were, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're invaluable in this. And so I think I started to realize that people were seeing, were understanding us different ways. And so all of those things happening in like a very intense year, that kind of changed the way I look at some of these things. Maybe get quite serious about how to like structure the business and the accounting and like the future plans for, for Julia. There was like a explicit 18 month plan. And then of course, as I am loving, still loving to learn, having too many roles, that became more like a three year plan. We're still, we're, we're evolving. I am evolving. And then COVID, which for 
our business is very strange because, you know, half of the people that work here, they need to have a physical presence. Mm-hmm. Like the people that are making, um, that's just what it is. And yeah. so, and in fact, it's something that's so, like I said before, you know, I think people, people look at us and feel like the values, the ethos, the idea that, you know, we're creating opportunity, we're working as a team, we value connection. That, you know, on top of it all is this idea that the power of scent is genuine, that we feel that scent is a real means for emotional transport, that this is not a widget to us. It's not a joke. Like I personally look at this almost like metaphysically that scent can actually put you in an emotionally in another place. Not that it's just triggering memories, but that it's you in that exact same place or a different place. So when that happened, of course, it adds like a, like a new, new element of chaos to the business, but it was also finally, you know, I'm seeing an 18 month plan where I'm like, all right, I'm going to be really disciplined here. And really, instead of, you know, pursue two or three different things, I'm really going to focus on this. I saw that turn into three years. So I think when COVID came, I was like, you know what? This other part, like the kind of loop close that you want to do on the learning, the thing that was inspired by being a dad, looking at time differently and wanting to know more about like the science of smell and more about the the design, the components and more about perfuming. You have to do it now. So that's was my like, that was my COVID. It was like full, the full, like in here late at night, experimenting, reading, writing, learning basically two years of kind of like developing using using what I had learned to probably like come to peace with knowing that I will never know all that I want to, but also developing, you know, over a hundred fragrances just for us instead of library sense or developments for other mm. other companies. So I used to say that it, it to me it kind of like reminds me of Kanye West. I'm going to change it to <laughs> Good. Thank you. Where um, <laughs> Wait, to Adele? It's like Pharrell. Pharrell. (laughs) (laughs) To have created a really strong body of work as a producer and to transform into more of a performer. Hmm. I like Mm. that. I like that. Yeah, I think switching those, you know, those talents out is a a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We talked a lot about New York and how you were born and raised here. And I am just really curious about what is it like to have a Brooklyn-based perfume brand and has, I, I guess, pre-COVID, how is it? And now, quote unquote, post-COVID, have you seen any you know, supply chain drama affect the business at all? And really, is doing it all in-house in New York where you do it in Brooklyn, how is it different than what people expect from a perfume house? Hmm. Good question. So... For us, it's essential. This is just, you know, where we want to be. And it inspires a lot of what we do. It's funny because probably another way I made this more complex than it needed to be was people always urged me to use Made in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. But I've always been a little adamant about us referring to it as Made in New York. Mm, Sure. Um, Because, um, I don't know why, because I think (laughs) we're taking inspiration from, from more than just this. And because I didn't want us to kind of like jump on a bandwagon that we were already on. So it's essential. It's expensive. The supply chain issues, I think it's, you know, perfume house brand, but also 
the need to have space to manufacture and grow here mm -hmm. is definitely challenging. It means that the people that we work with, we have to communicate this to them, yeah. the importance of and value of it, or we have to give them a reason to believe and to see why it's, why it's important to sure. us. Sure. Supply chain, terrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been besides, you know, like price gouging shipments, it messing up all of our planning. It's very difficult for independent businesses, I think. Yeah. Very difficult. Sure. You know, this is in fact, like maybe the most significant difference between independent, in my opinion, independent, say independent businesses and like larger corporate machines mm -hmm. is that they are built kind of in some ways specifically to withstand things like the supply chain chaos, those cash flow problems that that will engender and things like currency fluctuations where it's like, oh, okay, I have a presence in Russia, but all of a sudden, as an example, you know, the currency is completely changed there. So it, I have, like, I have a negative margin, right? Smaller companies cannot then, they can't withstand that for an indefinite amount of time. And I think larger ones can. So just mm -hmm. that sort of like built to, to withstand is a very powerful thing. Sure. We're, listen, we're also, we're auto financed. We've never taken any kind of investment. All right. So it's not even something, I think in some cases, maybe that at some moments, maybe that was an error. To me, it's not a flex. It's sure, more sure, small. Sure. It's just an aspect of it. But it, I think it does put us in a good position. Nice, nice. Definitely. I but it has so. also meant that a lot of our growth has been hyper strategic. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the risks we take are real risks. Mm -hmm. um, right, right. And so, you know, sometimes as much as we want to build systems and stuff, undoubtedly people are going to have multiple roles. And sometimes they have to, you know, pick up the slack. And that just means that other departments and stuff are going to be thinner or, sure. or wanting for some time. But it's part of the fun. I think I've also attracted a lot of people who who want, you know, who who want to learn and explore and innovate. And they also, it's not when I'm talking about, oh, you know, we're we are really good at decoding and stuff. I really mean we. We have a small, powerful team here. And I think at this point we're we're pretty we're pretty efficient and we get it. Yes. I'm curious because you guys collaborate with so many different types of entities, like Lucali, a pizza restaurant, and then yeah, like a yeah. film production studio like AG4, and then artists like Tom Fru and Chantal Martin. How do you approach making a scent for like each of these entities? So it's a good question. Like, do they give you a brief or are they like, we love what you do? Like, just do something for us. It really depends, honestly. Yeah. So there are some projects where it's you know, say, say it'll be more like an institution or larger company that's like, yeah, we love what you do. We believe in you. Here are the guardrails and make the best thing you can. Mm -hmm. That's fun and freeing. And then other times it's more like looking at something through a collective vision. It's all about kind of the alignment in the first place, right? You were not going to have a perfect language to describe these things. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the most favorite things for me about scent is it's like, you know, I, I said to you, learning, looking for connection. It's kind of like, or, you know, distilling things to their essence. It's kind of like looking for a kind of truth, you know, whether it's like the truth, my truth. That's kind of how I'm seeing it now. Last week, 
one of my older boys, first grade teachers is kind of a naturalist. Mm-hmm. He has one of those, you know, ultrasonic machines and she's putting essential oils in it and every morning mm-hmm. and she kind of looks at me when I walk in mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, wait, this is sweet balsam or gurgen balsam. She's like, oh, okay, good. She's like quasi, she's enjoying it, just quasi testing me. <laughs> and I said, you know, do you want me to bring in like some rare things that, that you're not going to get? She was like, obvious, of course. And so last weekend with my boy, I brought home, you know, he's a very tough critic. He's also mm-hmm. a native New Yorker. So <laughs> we are critical, not, mm-hmm. this is the, this is, I think, another sort of like misconception. People yep. think of New Yorkers as like jaded or haters. Mm-hmm. You know, I work with so many other designers and brands. I started a trade show for goodness that had 400 basically competitors in it. Yeah. Not that I'm a hater. In fact, I'm inspired by other brands and I'm also inspired by competition. I like it when, I like it when people kind of keep raising the bar. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, so my son's giving me a hard time. We're kind of using nine different ingredients for little kids. It's all, you know, like essential oils, like steam distilled plants and stuff. And so we made this, we made a fragrance, nine ingredients, we used to do this pre-COVID. We used to have elementary schools come and kind of like smell things. Oh, cute. It's so awesome. It's like the best. It reminds you of what's up. So <laughs> so, so we went there and, you know, they're first graders. So we made it about, I made it a blind smelling session. Mm-hmm. There's nine ingredients. They're going to smell them all blind. They're going to tell, they're going to say how it makes them feel. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's exactly what I do with adults. Hmm. And, you know, they're always going to press for the same thing. I, I like this. I want to know what it is. And we have mm-hmm. to make them smell blind because otherwise they won't tell you how they really feel. And then right. it's a different sort of decoding. You're kind of paying attention to their physical, you know, physiological clues that they're giving. They're saying, oh, I love this. But they're kind of, you can tell that they're kind of nauseated or something. <laughs> yeah. Because what they, what adults learn to do is they want to be something, they want to like something, and so that is what they, that's what they propose. Mm-hmm. You know, adults, we have to work to go within and to like be, have the void and really tap into our true essence and our nature and and know what we really like or be be honest about it. Kids are just like, you know, or oh, I love this. You know, they all love peppermint, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's just so fun and thrilling for them to kind of give you the honest version and, and remind you remind you of that. So with adults and brands, it's the, the process is, is similar. The, the baseline is like kind of aligning on goals. Like I said, target audience, it sounds boring, but it's key. Like we, we must know who we are, like who we're trying to speak to. Right. Mm-hmm. These are much more illuminating pieces of information than, you know, I like, I hate patchouli. And then you have someone smell patchouli. They're like, what is this? I love it. So A24 is a great example. We met through, say, a work friend and the, you know, they have a creative director. They obviously have, you know, hilarious, excellent merch, (laughs) but it's much more than that. They have a creative director. They're clever. They know that they have a real brand and she is totally brilliant. And so we managed kind of, we're talking about a uh, scent project together. And then the idea became to propose a collection of scented candles 
that were about film genres, mm-hmm. which is so much better than it being about specific movies. Yeah. Because then you just, you're setting yourself up to fail. Yeah. It's like, it's not that interesting. People are going to kind of agree or disagree. And it's just like, it's nothing. But the genres is hilarious because A24 so clearly has, you know, has a brand and like a personality. And so they're going to have a take on what the genres mean. And so do we as scent people and designers. So, so it's a mix of kind of our own perspectives. But of course, in that case, as they are, you know, the authorities on film, we're wanting to really tap into their, their lens. And so I'll let you in on how that works. Zoe, the creative director, says, this is the next genre. Here is about, here are 10 to 20 terms or words to give you the kind of context, the place that it needs to sit in. And then I will take those. They're usually kind of suggesting two different paths and then either kind of mess with things that we have in the library or kind of tinker with something new, show her what I think the two paths are. She'll say that one. And then we'll take that path and say two more directions. And we usually agree pretty, pretty, pretty quickly on it. Nice. So something like a sci-fi genre. Mm-hmm. The paths will end up being something like plasma, ghostbuster, you know, phaser, laser gun, or hyperspace, void, stardust. And so... Uh, how those smell, and of course, they should be. It should be funny. I love that. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> so it's a yeah, collaboration. Yeah, yeah. Those are fun. Amazing. Cool. Nice. I'm still letting those fragrances that we made at the studio cook a little. Oh, bit. I'm wearing mine. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I love them. I love them. But I, yeah, I love what they're becoming. <laughs> yes. Cool. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain what is so. What's so important about uh, New York for us? Like I said, I'm a nurturer. Mm. We want to leave behind a New York fragrance house. Mm. Not, you know, we don't want to like have a startup and like grow and then move on to something else. Mm -hmm. Being said, look out for what the kind of like inspired creative chaos is going to become. So... Amazing. The branded Joya part is going to, I think, finally make sense pretty soon. Ooh. And the idea is that we're going to use the kind of power, the infrastructure, and the, you know, the 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 values and this kind of like shared philosophy to to launch other other things, other products, and other brands of our own. All right. I awesome. love the sound of that. Oh, I'm well, pumped for that. For sure. Thick. We will we will be on the lookout for that and more, hopefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did he remember that you did not like patchouli i feel like it's the only thing that perfumers know about me and then yeah. they just give me a ton of shit for it yeah. remember when david maltz from ds and dark was like fuck you you're like patchouli i was like oh, okay i guess i like patchouli yeah. <laughs> so funny <laughs> like when he mentioned it you mentioned that and i was like oh he remembered that you don't like patchouli <laughs> no he was like i can tell by looking at you that you like patchouli it's like i don't know yeah quite what you mean by that yeah <laughs> but, but all right but okay. Yeah. Wow. I wish when I was in elementary school, I went to like a little smell class. That I wish I paid so attention. Cute. I know. <laughs> like, what did be... I learn there? Right. I don't remember a goddamn thing that I learned okay. from school. Yeah. So good thing it was public school. It's cheap. <laughs> 
I thought it was cool to hear how it is to be based in Brooklyn and based in, you know, the US and have it all under one roof like they do. Cause it, it's really, it's hard to visualize until you see it, not to be like, mm-hmm. ha, we went to the factory, but like it, it, it's a big place, but for all of the things that they produce for themselves and others yeah. and from not only the product being like the bulk, like the fragrance and the candles, but the vessels themselves I as know. well. I mean, when we say it's all under one roof, it is truly all under one roof. It's kind um, of nuts, yeah. It's crazy, you know? And not and not only making it, but then storing it I and know. shipping it. Just it's the mind boggles. It reminds me of the very like <laughs> it reminds me of me. <laughs> the energy of the, <laughs> the kid who would always do the group project by themselves because they didn't trust anyone to like do it. Well. Right. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. It's like very that energy. <laughs> It's very that, but yeah. you know what they they, Which do, I identify it, they with. do it quite well. So. Exactly, yeah. I do like how like they take things in a really unexpected, quirky approach, like the everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, auditor trophy candle, which yep. I have in my house, and every time someone comes over, they're like, "Why do you have a butt plug like next to your TV?" Right, it's like, my own business. <laughs> yeah, but it it is it is funny though, or or interesting rather that you know they are a. I don't want to call them a small brand, but they're a niche brand. Yeah. And they're independent you know, based in the US and all in one roof, yada, yada. And you would sort of think that everything would look the same. You know, maybe mm-hmm. the color of a component changes or like the deco changes, but you'd think it'd sort of be a little bit of a chop shop in that way. And mm-hmm. really, truly, all of their stuff looks very different. And yes. like, you know, like I know, like custom molding and everything like that costs so much. And even Though I'm sure they're cutting costs by doing it themselves, it's still not easy. Yeah. It's still labor intensive. Labor. And it's a whole new mold and this, yeah. this and that. Like, and like the by hand of it all. So mm-hmm. I, it's just, it's really, really impressive. It is. Yeah. I think it's yeah. cool that the people they choose to partner with are like so, so different. Yeah. 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 For sure. Right. From, from big to small, like A24 to, you know, anyone else. Yeah. And I remember they did the air fragrance, air company. That's right. Who that's we right, had on. Right. I was like, yeah. oh, comes full circle. <laughs> it does. It all, it all comes back to smell you later. It always comes back to smell. I would love if like over time, our reputation is that like everyone in any facet of like a fragrance or scent industry like knows about us or like has been or they're like, oh yeah, my friend was on your podcast or like, oh yeah, we were on podcasts. I low-key think we're on our way. I think so. I mean, who else is? Let me not ask that question. Who hasn't been on the show to be yeah, like, Who hasn't been on here? <laughs> we have some exciting stuff in the wings. So if they haven't been on, we're probably working on it. Yes, exactly. We've probably emailed you. Check your junk yes. folder. <laughs> yes. yeah. Please. Anyway, in the meanwhile, you can find us at our website, smellylater.live, where we have our merch, and you'll find the Smell You Later hotline where you can leave us a message. You can follow us on Instagram where it's smellylater.mp3. I'm at Tabletooth Tigra. I'm at Tynan Buck. And until next time, we will smell, smell you later. later. Oh, that never works over Zoom. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>